I was called Nancy Pelosi's dog, called incompetent, called a hero, and a villain. I was called a traitor to my country, my oath, and my constitution. In actuality, I was none of those things. This never happens, right? Where the FBI director goes in front of Congress and testifies and says that people at the FBI had a chance to stop this monster and they failed. We have a lot of gun owners. I grew up in a gun owning home. You know, I carried a Glock and an M4 in three tours in Iraq. Um, this isn't about, um, you know, attacking gun ownership. This is about just being a responsible person when you have a gun. You're listening to Pod Suey, the week's top story served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. U.S. House of Representatives passed a large gun reform package Wednesday after emotional testimony from survivors and families of victims of mass shootings in Uvalde and Buffalo. The bill would raise the minimum age to buy a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21, impose penalties for gun trafficking and selling large-capacity magazines, and would strengthen regulations against bump stocks and ghost guns. One piece of the legislation would also penalize gun owners if their weapon was used by a minor to harm or kill others. It was introduced by Michigan Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, and she appeared on the Paul W. Smith Show. Look, this came directly from our experience in Oxford. I'm the representative for Oxford, and it's the exact scenario. It's that if you are a parent and you have a child in your home, you have to take reasonable efforts to secure it. And if that child takes the gun, you don't secure it and takes the gun and uses it to commit a crime like a school shooting, a mass murder, then you can be held criminally liable and serve up to five years in prison. That's the law that's not on the books, either at the state or federal level, which will make it makes it hard for our Oakland County prosecutor to go after the parents of the Oxford shooter. So it was a it was came directly from our experience. The Safe Guns, Safe Kids Act, a serious practical effort to address a safety issue that has taken American lives uh, in Oxford, obviously, and all across the country. Experts estimate that more than 4.6 million minors in the U.S. live in homes with at least one loaded, unlocked firearm. And there have been a lot of unintentional shootings. There's been a lot of heartbreak. And you would, you'd like to say it goes without saying that when you have something as dangerous as a loaded firearm... You've got to be sure it's secure. Um, there are a lot of things that we could take for granted but shouldn't, and a lot of things that the uh, NRA fights for whatever their reasons for being fighting on all these different issues, which are some of them totally indefensible. But the reality is uh, I hope that they, f- they did not fight you on this. Well, they, they don't like um – frankly, any gun legislation. I'm not worried about the NRA. I think the average Michigander is, we have a lot of gun owners. I grew up in a gun owning home. You know, I carried a Glock and an M4 in three tours in Iraq. Um, This isn't about, um, you know, attacking gun ownership. This is about just being a responsible person when you have a gun. but, 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 But so is making sure that the people are mentally stable, are of proper age. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that, are just no-brainers, but they they fight people on it and think it's that slippery slope. But as I have said, when I realize that slippery slope is actually slippery because of children's blood now, mm-hmm. I have parted company and realized that there are some common-sense things that we need to do if we are responsible gun owners. Yeah, and you know, I, think I, think also, the- I also think training should come with buying a gun. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that the the only thing we need to know is that right now in the United States of America, the leading cause of death for people under 21 is gun violence. It's not cancer. It's not auto accidents. It's not drug overdoses. It is gun violence. And I think any anyone who's responsible wants to go after the thing that is the leading cause of death. And that doesn't that's not a political statement. That's just a safety statement. Like, that's just protecting our babies kind of thing. And so I I think the thing that's been hard for me, and we were glad to have bipartisan support. I was very proud of um, one of our Michiganders, Fred Upton, um, joined with us uh, uh, and voted for the bill. Um, But I was lobbying folks yesterday and kind of trying to make the case. um, And I, I just said, look, I can negotiate with anyone. I know people are worried about being able to give a hunting rifle to their child. There's all these different things that people care about. And I'm sympathetic as someone who, you know, had a gun rack put on the four wheeler at 12. Right. But if you come to the table ready to negotiate and you believe you want to deal with this problem or try to, we can do anything. But if you reject the idea that there's a problem, we can't get anywhere. And I think that's what we're fighting right now in Capitol Hill. The sweeping gun reform package is not expected to pass the Senate. Survivors of former Michigan State and Team USA Gymnastics Dr. Larry Nasser are seeking $1 billion in damages from the FBI for the botched investigation into sexual assault allegations against the former doctor, who is serving up to 175 years in prison on several counts of criminal sexual conduct. The group of survivors, which includes high-profile Olympians Simone Biles, Allie Raceman, and Michaela Maroney, claim the FBI had credible evidence from multiple corroborating sources to end Nasser's predatory practices, but failed to to do so. Former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, Matthew Schneider, on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. You know, it's not easy to sue the FBI. There's governmental immunity, uh, but the FBI, boy, they clearly botched this thing up. Joining us now is Matthew Schneider, partner at Hahnemann and former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. Good morning, Matthew. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Can you remind, uh, we talked before when this was going down, but can you remind our listeners uh, some of the mistakes that the FBI made that never should have happened? Sure. So we all know the background of how the the doctor, how Larry Nassar did this, right? And how he abused dozens of young athletes. We all know that. The question here is, now what happened afterward with the FBI? And the basis of these allegations now is that in July of 2015, the FBI learned that Nasser was a predator, and USA Gymnastics called the FBI in the Indianapolis office and gave information. And so normally, what would we expect? We'd expect that the FBI would take swift action, they would conduct interviews, they would communicate with the local authorities, and a lot of that just never happened. The FBI failed. They failed in doing their job, and they've admitted it because the FBI director said this was a horrible failure, and, and now, the, you, the gymnasts are seeking action against the FBI, and they filed a claim under the Federal Tort Claims Act, which is a, a statute that allows this to happen. And they're saying, we want to be compensated for all of your egregious errors, and we, we demand to have our, our, our money because of these mistakes. So the, the Department of Justice, I mean, they decide not to press criminal charges against the agents accused of botching this investigation. They reiterated that decision a couple of weeks ago. And these gymnasts say that helped motivate these civil filings, you know, because it allowed what happened in 2015, the actions of these agents, it allowed dozens of more molestations. And the DOG admits the case wasn't handled as it should have been, but not enough to prosecute these agents. What level of botching 
does it take to deserve prosecution? Well, this is in a tremendous amount of botching. I can tell you that because the FBI director, this, this never happens, right? Where the FBI director goes in front of Congress and testifies and says that people at the FBI had a chance to stop this monster and they failed. And he said, I'm sorry, it should have never happened. And in fact, he said, quote, they betrayed their core duty of protecting people, unquote, and that they profoundly failed. I mean, that is pretty intense for the FBI to admit it. So then you have the question of these survivors saying, well, wait a second. If this was so bad, then why wasn't anyone charged? And, you know, that's going to be an open question for a long time because it's one thing to botch things. It's another thing to lie. And there has been evidence submitted that FBI agents actually lied. Now, this is a this is a fraction of all the fantastic FBI agents who are out there. Right. But in this particular case, there's been evidence that there's been lies and deceit. And that's why I think survivors are so angry. Can you sue the FBI? What about this uh, hurdle of governmental immunity? So governmental immunity relates to this is a principle that goes back to the common line days in England. OK, if you are uh, the government, you can't be sued. And for most of American history, that was true until 1946, when Congress passed this particular statute called the Federal Tort Claims Act, because they said, you know, we just can't do this. This is not workable because the government does make severe mistakes and they do injure people, injure Americans, and they they shouldn't just escape liability. So in 1946, they passed this law that said there are exemptions for this governmental immunity and you can do this. And for example, in this case, you can file a claim. This is not a lawsuit. It's a claim and arbitration is allowed and you can negotiate, you can come up with a settlement. And if you've looked at what the allegations are and you compare them to what the FBI director said, the FBI would be insane. The Justice Department would be crazy to not try to settle this case. And, and that's not only the good legal thing to do, it's the right moral thing to do mm-hmm. to compensate these survivors. Yeah. In Matthew, you know, USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, they've settled. They've gone through this already with the victims. They settled for $380 million, uh, back in December. Does a judge or does a court or does some mediator look at that amount and factor it in when looking at this $1 billion figure? No, they would look at this standing on its own. And this is a separate case, and it remains to be seen whether it would actually have to go to court or not. But we're talking about a billion dollars. And also in this paperwork and in the filings, they indicated that the attorneys are going to get, the attorneys who helped uh, the survivors bring this, they're going to get anywhere between 20 and 25% of that settlement. So if the settlement is a billion dollars, I'm not good at math, but that's a pretty large attorney's fee. What about the message sent to other FBI agents by not prosecuting uh, these FBI agents? Do you think that other agents realize uh, that this failure happened and, and it will, will this not happen again? Well, I'm quite certain that this message has reverberated throughout the FBI, and I've heard that from, from folks who are talking about that in the Justice Department. You know, when the head of the FBI says you've profoundly failed, and then it becomes a career ender for you. You either are, are dismissed or fired or you retire under disgraceful circumstances. I mean, nobody wants to have that happen to them in their career. So I would hope that this would be a definite wake-up call for anyone who is dealing with a victim or survivor of a crime. 
that you must treat them with uh, with grace and care and uh, to give them as much respect as they deserve. The January 6th committee held the first of several hearings carried by multiple networks in primetime Thursday night to investigate the riot at the Capitol and Donald Trump's role in it. Chris Renwick and Guy Gordon with the recap on The Guy Gordon Show. The select committee, led by Democrats, used a Republican to deliver most of the blows against the president last night in the January 6th select committee's primetime uh, hearing, basically their opening arguments in the case against the former president of the United States. And for Liz Cheney, the uh, ranking member of this committee, uh, she used Republican witnesses and also participants in the riot to tell the tale. WJR senior news analyst Chris Renwick uh, joining me for some discussion and analysis of this. Chris, good afternoon. And it was uh, those in the inner circle that were called upon to make the case remotely. Uh, those closest to the former president, and in some cases, his children, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and the former attorney general, Bill Barr, all weighing in and, and really Liz Cheney laying out the evidence uh, for not only the committee, but for the American public. And the message was that not only was Donald Trump responsible for what happened, but he failed in stopping it from happening or stopping it from happening while it was in progress that January 6th afternoon. And Liz Cheney also took an opportunity to call out her fellow GOP representatives who are standing by the former president and his claims of election fraud. In our country, we don't swear an oath to an individual or a political party. We take our oath to defend the United States Constitution. And that oath must mean something. Tonight, I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. And I think one of the interesting things also, Guy, uh, that we saw last night was that, that, that video montage that they played about 15 minutes in. And it showed uh, a, basically a timeline for groups like the Proud Boys, groups like the Oath Keepers, how they kind of made their way to the Capitol. And, and they say they were never there to start uh, to participate in that rally. They were there to start trouble at the Capitol. Yeah, it was interesting because let's hear from from this this montage of these are participants in the riot. These are people that have been convicted uh, by uh, under federal charges for participating in this. And they all said that we were there because the president summoned us. Cut 13. He personally asked for us to come to D.C. that day. And I thought for everything he's done for us, if this is the only thing he's going to ask of me. I'll do it. I know why I was there, and that's because he called me there, and he laid out what is happening in our government. He laid it out. You mentioned that the president asked you. Uh, do you remember a specific message? Basically, yeah, he asked uh, for us to come to D.C., that big things are going to happen. And what Liz Cheney is saying is that the president, with willful intent, misled those people, that he lied to his own people about the uh, stolen election. And how do we know this? Because his own election fraud specialist testified before the January 6th committee and says, I told the president, I told his chief of staff, I should clarify that, he told his chief of staff, there was no fraud here. Cut eight. I remember a call with... Uh, Mr. Meadows, 
where Mr. Meadows was asking me what I was finding and if I was finding anything. And I remember sharing with him that we weren't finding anything that would be sufficient to um, change the results in any of the key states. When was that conversation? Probably in November, mid to late November. I think it was before my child was born. And what was Mr. Meadows' reaction to that information? I believe the words he used were, so there's no there there. So the question becomes, did he pass that along to the president? But there was plenty of testimony from others that said that, yes, those in the inner circle passed it along to the president, that there was no fraud here. But he chose to listen to others. And one of the things that I was struck by uh, here is, is a number of these witnesses have already said they were taken out of context, Chris. And I want to see the larger transcripts here. I want to see the full tr- transcripts. Ivanka Trump, uh, the soundbite that they used from her was the fact that, well, yes, she respected Bill Barr, so she accepted what he said. That doesn't really tell us the other things we need to know about her. What was her uh, father doing? What did she try to do to convince her father that this wasn't a good path to go down? and to do something in those three hours when he did nothing and the rioting was continuing on Capitol Hill. you got to wonder if that's the best they got from her. Christopher Schur, the Grand Rapids police officer who shot and killed Patrick Leoya after a traffic stop escalated into a physical struggle, is being held on $100,000 bond after Kent County Prosecutor Chris Becker announced he would charge Schur with second-degree murder at a press conference Thursday afternoon. Attorney Todd Flood with Paul W. Smith. You know, every time you make a charge, you look at the, what are the ingredients necessary to charge that? Go to the jury instructions and then look at the facts. See the facts for which each and every element you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And here the facts were pretty clear. The, the only question that they probably had in their mind, was there any possible justification defense for this shooting? And there's enough there in the video to show that when the officer put his hand, he had a free hand and a knee on the back of um, this victim. He, he ends up pulling out his gun and shooting him in the back of the head. So he has one hand free. He has a knee on the person. There is no justification for that. No, uh, I don't even. You can't even. Having never been in the situation, you can't even imagine. I can't imagine what went through the officer's head that made him decide he should pull his gun out and shoot this guy in the head while he's got the guy down on the ground. It just doesn't make sense. There's no plausible defense for that. Whatever rage, whatever adrenaline, whatever you know was going through uh, the, the defendant's mind or body, endorphins, there is no justifiable defense. So you, you can't imagine. Um, the, the buzz phrase in the jury instruction uh, is, was there a willful wanton misconduct, knowing that death or great bodily harm would happen. So, yeah, there, there was a willful disregard. I mean, he pulls his gun out. He has the man pinned down. How, how can he possibly co- overcome that? Um, the defense is going to try to mitigate this to a manslaughter. They're going to try to, to mitigate this down to a 15-year offense where murder, two is a life offense. That's, that's what they're going to attempt to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't see it happening uh, quite that easily. Uh, but, you know, it's going to go to a jury trial or they're going to work out a deal, one of the two. Yeah. And the prosecutor in this case did a fabulous job. He, he went through everything. I watched his press conference. He was a, a professional on every level. I, I found one interesting note. We had Ike McKinnon on to talk about this 
uh, because it just was mind blowing that it happened the way it happened. And he said uh, the guy should have the officer should have just let the guy run and not uh, even chased him at that point. Or when the guy got out of the car and he wouldn't go back in the car, he should have sat in his car and called for backup. I mean, second guessing. But in fact, here's one of the problems. This young officer had been given citations, awards for chasing people down in the past. So in his mindset, he was on his way to another award, probably, by grabbing this guy who tried to get away. But it went terribly wrong, and he's going to pay a lifetime price for that. They'll do it for Podsui this week. For full episodes or anything else you might have missed, go to thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.